I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to summarize for you what happened last night during the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Ross, good morning. Good morning, Jill. And before we jump into the content of last night's meeting, Jill, it's important to note that we ended the last meeting two weeks ago with new business. And right. three members asked for agenda items to be on a future meeting. Yep. Stephen Alkins asked for an agenda item on the superintendent's evaluation. There was a number of topics covered in the superintendent's evaluation from last summer that the members had questions about, including the composition of the superintendent's team and central office. And so he asked for that. Mr. Cadet Hernandez asked for data outputs from the mid-year review from the last meeting and said, What's, how is this impacting student achievement, these mid-year actions that you're taking in the district? And Mr. Tran asked for an update on the Gardner School. It's important to note, Jill, that last night's agenda, none of these topics were covered in the agenda. None of them came up in the superintendent's report. Right. So there were those three agenda items right at the end of the last meeting, all requested that they end up on a future agenda. And when they didn't end up on last night's agenda, the members put them on the agenda. So first, member Cardet Hernandez asked the superintendent about the data outputs associated with the superintendent's mid-year planning report that she gave last week. Separately, I'm just wondering if we have an update on the mid-year report that we had last session. We asked for, I specifically asked for some data around outputs and just wondering if that either is coming back to us as an agenda item or we'll talk about some of those outputs or just sort of what the vision is there. I believe we have a memo coming to you that has explicitly around the academic outputs. And then Dr. Alkins follows up on the new business item that he didn't see on this week's agenda, asking for an update on the Shaw-Taylor and other operational metrics tied to things that concerned the committee, which were highlighted in the superintendent's evaluation last year. And my question wasn't just limited to the Shaw-Taylor community, but like all of the like the communities as we're especially just making sure that we're monitoring this process and that we're getting updates as regularly as possible um, and that these communities are supported. So, Jill, this is going to come up over and over again because, you know, the superintendent has noted that each spring she's going to come with recommendations for closures and mergers to right. the committee. And the committee wants to know not only how we're going to make these decisions, they're concerned about that with the rubric and the, the Green New Deal rubric, but they're also concerned like when we decide on these things, will they actually be implemented? Like, yeah. will you actually follow through with the decisions that we make? And don't let us be surprised when people start showing up for public comment, oh, you know, right. kind of keep us a rest of the conversations that you're having with the public and with these school communities so that we understand what's happening leading up to your recommendations around totally. particular school closings or any other changes that are going to happen. Then member Polanco Garcia brought up two different things. One, she talked about facilities challenges specifically at the Tobin and asked what the superintendent and her team were doing about those. She also had heard from school communities that they were getting tardiness notifications about their children who were late, but they were late because the buses were late. And in response to this, we hear the beginning of a message that was repeated by the superintendent and the chair throughout the rest of the evening. Send me an email about that. So if you let me know what that school is and email me, we will reach out and help that school. Prior to public comment, there was also a vote held on eight substantial repair projects. Member Cardet Hernandez asked this question about how the superintendent is thinking about these repairs. Yeah, just a question around some of the thinking here. And I this will come up, I think, as without a broader master facilities plan. But for example, the, the there's schools on there that might be single strand schools. Like it looks like the O'Donnell is a single strand school. 
but is up for a new roof. And then at the same time, we're having conversations where that doesn't, those types of schools don't fit into the model that we're moving forward with. So look, they've presented a rubric. It doesn't seem like they're using it to make decisions. There isn't still a master plan. We've been hearing about a master plan since Brenda Casilius was in the role as superintendent. We're about to hear further in this meeting that the superintendent is doing away with weighted student funding, which was the framework that we have been using to build budgets. It begs the question, and it came up many times last night, what is the strategy? How is the district making decisions this year? And when will, when will there be a strategy, right? I mean, we continue to come up with these recommendations from the superintendent and her team about let's redo these roofs or redo these facilities, right. but there is no strategy to it. And we're leading with decisions rather than with the strategy. And, and I think committee members have been around long enough, even the newer ones, to know there actually are ramifications to every decision that we're making. And we want to understand why you're making the recommendations before they're put to a vote. It makes good sense. And it's good governance from the school committee members. Jill, the meeting moved on to public comment. And the vast majority of public commenters spoke about the ongoing issues at the Gardner. And this is just heartbreaking. On the issue of the Gardner, Jill, we did hear from both sides of this issue and really some impassioned comments from the public. And this is heartbreaking. And somebody needs to step in and intervene here, Jill. And this was the third thing that Mr. Tran had asked for at the last meeting in new business. He had said, could we please have an update on the Gardner? There was no update provided by the superintendent. Leadership would be, Jill, here, like leadership would be stepping into the situation and helping this community recover and move forward. And instead, we're watching this community continue to break apart. Splinter, yeah. There was uh, also a number of commenters last night, Jill, about the budget. Uh, So we heard from the Linden School, the Condon School, the Manning School, all discussing their school's budget cuts and concerns around the impact of these cuts on students. Jill, the meeting then went on to a main report of the night, the superintendent's preliminary budget presentation. This is essentially the first presentation of a number that will happen over the coming months, and we'll have some budget hearings over the course of the next few months, and this will culminate in a vote two months from now. Jill, a big part of this is the superintendent announced that the framework that has been used for making budgetary decisions and guiding the whole budgetary process will no longer be used, and that is weighted student funding. We will move away from a weighted student formula that no longer adequately funds our schools. In this transitional year, we noticed that 50 schools saw enrollment declines. We wanted to ensure that those schools were able to provide services to their students. With weighted student formula, we would not have been able to do that. For those of us who've been around BPS for for a while, Getting rid of weighted student funding without another framework is really concerning. Here's Vice Chair O'Neill talking about his concerns around this. Just a couple of quick comments because it was brought up earlier about weighted student funding formula. And I recall when it was introduced and it did expose a lot of inequities in the system, huge inequities of favored schools that knew how to work it and were getting a lot that they really shouldn't have been getting. And You know, we went through several years of trying to have soft landings for them. And then our soft landings have shifted to the schools that, quite frankly, are under-enrolled and weighted student funding wouldn't get them the numbers. So now it was allowing them to still have a school secretary or assistant principal, that type of thing, and delayed hard decision making. Right. So and he's been here. He's seen this whole movie as of you. Yeah, we've yes, we've been here before yeah. weighted student funding and during weighted student funding. And Jill, 
Mr. O'Neill notes he, he hopes there's not a day we're slipping back into a system where decisions were made without clear data or they were made behind closed doors and that there was inequities in those decisions. And Jill, I, I, think, I think we're at that time. I know. So let's get into it because I just found this this conversation and the supporting materials to be more confusing than helpful. And I think this is why so many members were trying to ask so many questions. Not only was there concern, you had said there's concern about the the supporting materials, yeah. but really it's around the lack of detail, isn't it? I mean, isn't it that yes. it, it's like the concern is that the details were not given. Right. In, and so, in and so members had to ask many, many questions. And they were admonished for doing that. But we'll get into that. Just to look back for a second, last year's budget was around $1.4 billion. Billion. So, like, by the way, like, maybe six years ago, we were at a billion and we're like, oh, my goodness, we're at a billion dollars. We're now approaching $2 billion. We're now approaching $2 billion. So it's $1.4 billion last year, $1.6 billion this year. We don't know if the last tranche of ESSER funding is actually in the $1.6. So it could be $1.7, could be more. We don't know. <laughs> that was not clear as a question. Nevertheless, it's at least $200 to $300 million more than last year with right. fewer students, right? So the, the per-student funding went from around 29000 last year to around 33000 per student. This year, it's a 46% increase in per-pupil spending over five years. I think a big question on students' minds is, what are we getting for all of that additional Well, Jill, Jill so we can't, like, this 33, we think it's maybe $33,000 per student. Yeah. It may be approaching, if we include ESSER or other funds, it, it may be approaching $35,000 right. per student. Jill, you know what you can get for $35,000 per student? Mm, a car. What, sorry. You can get a car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could also, especially if our students were driving, like, yeah. you get a car. Vehicle, you, you could, you could also, in terms of education, Jill, oh, right. you could go to UMass Amherst, UMass Amherst, uh-huh. and get a full tuition paid for and full room and board paid for Jeepers. for $35,000. And we did look that up yesterday when you said it. And that is, in fact, true. Three folks. meals a day. Every, that's, a, that's a meal plan, three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Actually, room go, and to, board. go whenever you want, I'm pretty sure. Unlimited oh, yeah. meals. Unlimited meals. They yeah. actually have one of the best meal services they do. in the country. Every one of our students could go to UMass Amherst for $35,000. Interesting analogy. They're too young, but they could. Here's some other things that stood out to us as the budget presentation was happening. The biggest part of the budget, as is for any school district, is, is teacher salaries and staff salaries. Now, that's staying the same. That yeah, line so item doesn't go up. If you look at budget, if you, if you go into each school's budget. The district used to give the weighted student funding sheet. So they would say how many students are at every school, what are their needs, and they would assign a budget to every student and that would roll up into an overall budget. This year, they didn't do any of that back. They don't. You have no data around any what's driving the number. Right. Simply, the district rolled over the exact number from last year. So right. they basically took the budget from last year, which is primarily teachers, right. and rolled over to the cent the exact amount. And then in some schools, they took some away. But Jill, what's important to note here is the teachers actually don't get paid exactly the same amount. In fact, many, all of our teachers are in steps and lanes. So the longer they stay, the more they get paid and they move up in this sort of step and lane system. Also, Jill, it's important to note that collective bargaining, the contract is up at the end of this school year. Mm -hmm. And there is no budget here for collective bargaining. And we just saw Newton teachers be on strike for two weeks. Uh, I'm assuming that BPS teachers will be asking for some increase in salary. And there is no budget for it. It literally is rolling over the exact teacher salary from this year to the exact teacher salary 
for next year. So that begs the question, you know, what, how are they going to negotiate this budget, this piece of the budget? Are they going to have to fire teachers and staff and use those salaries to pay the teachers who are left in nope. the district? There's, and, yeah, there's no mention it, of it. We right? don't but, know. There's no clarity. Right. There's no clarity. There's no clarity on the number of teachers and staff. There's just a budget line item for those. We heard many times in this presentation that the mayor's office was providing an unprecedented amount of money for the budget. We hear that every year, that every year the mayor's office, whoever the mayor is, is providing an unprecedented amount. <laughs> at, so what, yet at again. What, right. At right. what point is this? I mean, it used, to, it used to be 30 million was a lot, but now we have to up it every year, right? So now we're at 80 million. Maybe next year we'll be at 100 million. At what point does it stop? I know. So I guess, so So let's celebrate the mayor for a second. But I mean, she's kind of doing what every mayor does is we carve something out so that we can celebrate it. But let's talk about what's going in. What are we paying for with that unprecedented $80 million? Uh, well, $4 million on food. I'd say yay. That's great. 11, uh, that's, that's, four, that's an increase in food increase, budget. Right? Increase in the yep. food budget. This, these are all increases. So, Russ, there'll be $11 million going towards high-quality facilities. So another question, is BCLA getting adult-sized toilets this yeah, year? We have no idea, but it, it, 11 be. million high-quality high facilities increase. Maybe it's toilets. We, we also have a $12 million increase on transportation, even though Director Dan Rosengard last night said there weren't many kids on the buses and they were actually trying to implement new technology to try to determine how many kids were actually riding the buses because they're concerned about that. But we're going to have a $12 million increase in the transportation budget. Jill, we talked about this year over year. We have the most expensive transportation budget in the country and it just continues to grow. Unbelievable. And you had a member the other, I mean, earlier in the meeting who was saying, I, I'm hearing complaints from constituents who are saying their kids can't get to school on time and they're getting reprimanded yeah. for it. So I don't know, maybe we, this we, $12 million is going towards that. We have no insight into no what the money is going towards. And then we have $30 million that's going to be spent on inclusive classrooms across every school in the district. This $30 million in inclusive classrooms is to fund inclusionary programs for students at the early grades in kindergarten and grade one, I believe, and then also in grade seven. And every school had a team, an IPT team, inclusionary planning team. And we talked about this for a while. Like, what is our inclusion plan? So we're, we're saying we're going to include all students with disabilities and all of our English language learners into general education classrooms. And every school is going to come up with a plan. And we were wondering, like, is there a framework for this? Like, is there different types of plans, like co-teaching, right. like two teachers in a classroom? What was going to happen? And in fact, we have no insight on that. We just know that schools got some money for inclusion. We're not sure who decided or how it was decided, how much they're going to get, but the money was allocated. And we don't have a model. No model was discussed. What is a ratio of teachers, uh, students with disabilities and general education students in a classroom? How many teachers would be in there? Would we have instructional aides? None of that was discussed. It is just really a black box. We have no idea what is guiding their decision making. Um, this one's a fun one. This can't possibly be correct, but and yet it was presented on a slide last night. There are 14 and a half lucky folks in central office who are working with a budget of $13.3 million for student programs. This student is programs. central office. So I don't know, maybe central's opening a school. We don't know. We there, have, there was we have no, no idea, but it, 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 we're close to having, it looks like 14 FTEs, a little over 14.4 people will be sharing 13.3 million. So they're approaching a million dollar per person position if this is true. This cannot be true, but this is what was in this slide deck last night and nobody could ask about it because whenever they tried to ask a question, they were told to put it in writing and have the superintendent answer it in a future time.
I think the key for this presentation last night was there are so many of those lines yeah. that you're like, what does that mean? How can that be? And the reality, the reality of this is without questions, without asking questions, we don't allow the leadership of the district to provide clarity, right? So you're only left with having to assume that 14 people will be paid a million dollars a year in our public school system. That's the only assumption that you can make because you're not allowed to ask questions. But I think like if you just look at this whole thing in macro, Ross, this is what I don't get. Right. We're, we're spending more money this year than last year, but we're not increasing the major line item, which is budgets for teachers, right? The biggest asset in the district. We're losing ESSER funding halfway through the year. Right. So we should be at a deficit there. But the budget this year is bigger than last year. And there are fewer kids. So I, I just it's such a riddle for me how this budget is the way it is. There was a lot of pressure testing of that with no response. And that was sort of frustrating, right? Last night was not a night for transparency and clarity. As members tried to ask questions, they seemed to find it incredibly frustrating as they were told over and over again to submit their questions in writing and only ask the important questions out loud in front of the public. Well, it's important to note, Jill, if you submit a question in writing, the superintendent and her team may respond to you right. in writing, but it is not shared publicly. That is not part of the public record. And only those questions that are asked publicly are the ones discussed at school committee are part of the public discourse. So it's just weird, right? Because that, so what is someone supposed to FOIA every question? You know, like because there's obviously so many pressing questions this year. There is no framework to even make sense out of the budget. There's no details in the budget for the public to look at so that they can even frame up their questions. What they seem to be advocating for was some sort of behind the scenes Q&A, you know, done through email with memos as responses. And like you're saying, that doesn't it seems like that's not going to show back up at school committee at some point last night Stephen Alkins left the meeting Michael O'Neill had expressed concern over needing a framework for budgeting and then member Cardet Hernandez started to ask questions and was encouraged to let's move quickly by the chair Mr. Cardet Hernandez do you have one question to ask at this time and the others you'll put into writing I, here's what I'll say respectfully, Chair. I, I have more than one question to ask, and I do think this is the time to ask it. And I, I think the spanking to us as committee members is like a little bit frustrating. I'm saying it with respect, but like if the if the presentation elicits more questions, this is the place to do it when we're talking about a billion dollar budget. So I will do my best to do it quickly, but I do have more than one question about what is what like we're here to talk about. And then he continues on after his first question to ask a second question. That was one question. The, Your the time. Be fair. Okay. If it's quick. I think, I think so. Listen, if we don't want to know it and we don't think it matters. I, I, I've I said there's a way of doing work. it. I'm just, I'm trying to hold us all accountable to each other. That's I, it. We, we ask that you put things in writing and we'll get the answer. That's all. I, at this point, member Cardet Hernandez left the meeting and member Chantel Lima Barbosa shared this advice on how to hold a more productive meeting on the budget with the superintendent and her team. Budget season is always very stressful and overwhelming and asking questions during these type of formatting sometimes is not enough. It's not enough time. So I totally, totally get what Brendan is going through right now. I sort of want to hold my big questions to when I do see 
key departments, key units, key chiefs, especially when it comes to specific schools. I know just today we've heard a lot in the public comment about specific school budgets, specific cuts. I think today I saw a little bit of an overview of why some of that is happening when we think about configuration of classrooms, when we think about the Green New Deal, mergers of schools, et cetera, et cetera. I guess for me, it's really more of just like offering the district some tips of when coming to the following budget hearings to really come with specific examples of showcasing why schools like the Condon might be feeling, you know, that these cuts are going to impact and it's going to have an impact, but really have them understand if it's a configuration of classroom, if it's a merger, whatever it is, like to come with that already in the presentation instead of us continuing to hear the questions, but folks are not really answering them directly. Look, look, Jill, if you're watching this last night, this whole meeting was disturbing. The chair kept on insisting that members not ask many questions and submit all of their questions in writing. There was no inclusion of the requested new business items from last week on this week's agenda. There's no new framework for budgeting. It all seems very smoke and mirrors. There's no background information provided on the budgets. It's like someone behind a curtain is trying to control it, but can't describe it to the public whose tax dollars are paying for this district. And, you know, on top of it all, there's no clear understanding of what the superintendent and her team are trying to accomplish in terms of outcomes for kids. And honestly, that's the saddest part. Nothing at the top of the hour when they started to present this budget told the public, here's what we want to happen in the district next no year. No outcomes. In fact, like the mid-year review last week, there was no outcomes, student outcomes as part of that and was requested for those. And not, no outcomes are right. driving this budget. Jill, it's interesting. The last budget last year it ended in a very strange place. You remember, may yeah. remember this, where there was attorneys brought in because the members were saying, we're not comfortable voting for this budget because we have so many questions unanswered. Right. And they ended up saying, you have to vote for it and it's gonna to go to the city council and they sort of pressured everybody to move forward. Yeah. And that budget began exactly the same way. Right. Actually, last year's budget had more detail than this year's budget. Yeah. But it began with the members, a couple of members, the leadership really, the chair and the vice chair saying, don't worry. We have plenty of time to talk about this over the two months. And that narrative quickly shifts from the chair and vice chair to hurry up and make your decision because we're out of time. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. So here's the deal. There, there's a form on the BPS school committee website where you can submit any question that you have about the budget. Please submit all of your questions in writing. We're going to submit all of the questions that we asked on today's podcast to school committee via that form. And we're going to read the answers that we get back when we get them back. We're, we also want to encourage any listeners who want to share any questions that they ask or any answers that they get back. If they want to share those with us, we'll also share them on the show. If they're going to shut down the public process at the school committee meeting, then you know there's other workarounds yeah, to get we'll answers. Find, we'll find another process. But, but it's but, crazy. But this is it, it, it clearly the chair is leaning in the direction of let's hear less public comment, let's hear less questions from members, and let's do more of collecting information in writing behind closed doors and not having a public discourse about our schools. The most important asset we have in our city is our education system, is our students in our schools who are the future of our city, and we're refusing to have public conversation about them. And that's what happened last night at the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. 
We want to hear from you, especially your budget questions. If you have thoughts or concerns about how BPS is serving your students, please send us an email at podcast at shawfoundation.org. That's S-H-A-H foundation.org. Thank you for listening to last night's school committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston's students. Have a great day.